In this episode of the Cube Command Podcast, we're going to be finishing up our Spider-Man on PlayStation 4 review by covering the story itself. Welcome, welcome to the Cube Command Podcast. My name is Thomas Savoy, and this is the show where you can chill with us as we talk about the news, reviews, and other things in the gaming, pop culture, and movie industry. The EQ Command Podcast is produced by Savoia Studios and is part of the Savoia Media Network. To find our shows, just go to SavoyaMedia.com. All right, Nathan, do you like Spider-Man? Yeah, he's okay. Oh, okay. He's not a bad guy. He's not a bad guy. He's a pretty good guy. Uh, but there are many bad guys in Spider-Man yeah. that uh, made their appearance in this game. So many. But not all of them. No, not all of them. Thankfully, not all of them, because if they did, it would be worse than Spider-Man 3. But uh, unlike Spider-Man 3, I think Spider-Man on PlayStation 4 actually did a, a very good job of balancing all these characters. And not only that, but I personally think it had the best rendition of Peter Parker to date. Yeah. He said uh, in the beginning of the game, Spider-Man's like, he's been doing this for eight years. So we're getting like a pretty experienced Peter Parker, a seasoned one, if you will. A veteran. I guess. Yeah, a veteran. After playing Spider-Man on PlayStation 4, what was your general thoughts when you finished the game? Wow, that was really good. After uh, after the credits roll or after uh, yeah. Aunt May kicks the bucket? or Oh, well, <laughs> if we're going to go ahead and start out with May dying, that was tragic. That was heartbreaking. But, yeah. you know, after defeating Doc Ock, it's like, wow, that that was a... That was a good game. That was definitely worth the money. <laughs> what, what what stood out to you in particular? Was it like the, the the actual story beats? Was it the characters and their perspectives? Was it the message of the movie or the movie? The um the video game. I just get kind of called a movie, but the, the game itself. Like what was like the what made it great to you? Just a little bit of everything. They just kind of did everything right. Like they didn't skip out on anything. No, they they didn't. Like I think. In particular, the voice acting is what makes these characters, like, so believable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Yuri Lowenthal does such an amazing job as Peter. He nails that, um, that balance between pretty laid-back and experienced, but also, like, still dorky. A dorky Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. who's kind of in over his head. And, you know, that's why we like Peter's, because, you know, he's he's kind of a dork. It is, that's what Spider-Man should be. He's got the, He's got a very good sense of humor, too. Very. You pull off those one-liners. <laughs> the quips power up. And I think that they kind of like combined everything that people liked about each on-screen Spider-Man and put it into the game version of Spider-Man while also incorporating a lot of uh, factors from the comics. Definitely. Which brings us to the story and the other characters. <laughs> All right, were you familiar with a lot of these characters going in? Um. Well, obviously I knew who... Doc Ock and J. Jonah Jameson, May, MJ, all all the characters like that that have appeared in movies, I've known. But characters like Yuri and Martin Lee, I I had no idea who they were. I think that's probably why they, they probably pulled like these lesser known characters for the sake of people who weren't familiar with them. So you could still have the the shock of like Oh, they turn into this villain or whatever. Because from what I understand, Yuri's actually a really recent character. Like, we're talking like 20, 
2012 or 2014 recent. Wow. Yeah, and she still, like, becomes, like, a vigilante at some point, I think. And mm-hmm. they incorporated that into her whole character arc, which I didn't even know about until I researched it later. Um, Martin Lee, uh, I had, I mean, I knew, I knew who Mr. Negative was, kind of. I had no idea who the heck Martin Lee was or why I should care about him. Of course, they have, like, the heavy hitters, like Osborne or whatever. Yeah. Kingpin. He's always, like, kind of important in any Spider-Man thing since he's, like, the main crime boss. And that's what that's what the game opens up with is you taking out the Kingpin. I was very surprised. I was like, day. So they're really just throwing this out here. He's not going to be, like, I thought he was going to be, like, the big bad or something that you kind of, like, infiltrate at the end of the game. But... Yeah, I kind of, I kind of thought like, oh, you're starting off with taking down Kingpin. I'm like, oh, what's gonna go wrong and how is he gonna escape? Yeah, it's like they're setting it up to be this perfect Spider-Man climax, and they actually like followed through with it. I thought that was like really interesting, because like if they have the uh the gall to take out Kingpin this early on in the story, like I'm really excited to see what they have planned to like top that yeah after what was it that happened right after that it was like um, um uh the demons start showing up and you're just kind of like oh who are these people i've never seen these people around before and then i think you fight shocker and like try and get like a little information out of him you get like one of the masks from the demons and then you take it to mr or martin lee and he's kind of like, huh, this this seems familiar or something like that. And that's kind of like <laughs> your red flag for, oh, Martin Lee might be the the leader of these people or like knows something about these people. Yo, imagine if Martin Lee was just like a really studious guy. Yeah, that at first, that's what I thought. But then like there was something they did where they started building tension between martin lee and peter and that's where when i knew like oh yeah he he's the big bad of the demons around the point where they already established may and miles is when like they're like all right time to make mr lee evil they yeah they they do kind of like bring up that tension because like i think peter was like digging up old like bad memories and -hmm. bringing it to him because he was like tortured by osborne or something like that yeah and it ended up like killing his parents i think it was something that uh, Doc Ock and Lee worked on, I think. Yeah, that I yeah we're gonna get into Doc Ock in a minute because I think that's interesting <laughs> how he connects to Mister Lee. It's not like separate stories like the DLC frames itself as. It's more of like one continuous, like snowball effect. It's like you start off with, oh, you're just dealing with demons, and then something that happens in between beating Mr. Negative for the first time and the 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 prison break. And it, it kind of feels like the stories are like separate, but like obviously they're still connected. In the beginning of the story, there's like the whole fallout with the gangs because yeah. now there's no crime boss. And so they do kind of like cover one villain and their whole situation and then like immediately forget about that for a little bit and focus on the next one to like introduce each faction that's going to come into play later. Yeah. And then they start 
it, 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 yeah, you're right. It's only until like maybe about the halfway to after the halfway point where they actually start interacting with each other. Because they're all like doing their own thing and Peter's just kind of juggling around to different situations as mm-hmm. the game is going on in the beginning. But they do a very good job of tying it together. Yeah. And not only that, but it, it keeps the momentum solid. Like, I don't think there's a single point in this game where I actually felt like the story was lagging. When when I play it, I kind of tried to do as much of the side stuff as I can, like, when it opened up to me. So, in a way, like, if I kept going with the story, I w- it would have been fine. But, you know, when I was going around doing all the bases and all the little side things, I was like, yeah, that, 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 that kind of feel a little slow. But if I did keep with the story, it definitely wouldn't have been slow. Uh, see, I, I did the opposite. I actually saved all of the circuit side stuff for last. Wow. And I just rocketed through the story as fast as possible. That's why I, that's probably why I think that it, it was very uh very nicely paced. Even if you took all the it like did a like half of the side stuff, it, it still would have felt good. Oh yeah. In terms of pacing. Like I did, I did the light ones. Like I think I did a couple crime challenges, and I did the pigeon challenge too early, just to get out of the way. The pigeon one was fun. <laughs> it was. It was very creative. Um, but they, I mean, that's not to say they don't like, like, put the story on hold for a little bit to to make you do like the first side quest of a series, just so you can get introduced to the concept, and then say, okay, now you can go back to the story. Now that's not out of the ordinary. Like, I'm going to probably bring this game up a lot, but Arkham Knight does the same exact thing. They stop Batman's fight against Scarecrow to introduce, like, Nightwing or Robin or something, have you do, like, a side story that you can continue later if you want. So, with a superhero game that is juggling all these different characters, and especially in a wide-open area, I expect it, and it makes sense. I'm not really going to fault it on that at all. Yeah. Because I know, like, pauses to say, like, oh... Now you can do Taskmaster missions. Here, try one real quick. Yeah, try a taste. Just yeah, a little spoonful. You know, it lasts like less than five minutes. <laughs> so like at least all the side stuff is like very quick to finish. Yeah. Well, let's see. So after the crime wars, then that's when they introduce May, right? Uh after fighting Kingpin, he's like, I gotta go see May. Yeah. She's like chilling in her uh her homeless shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, that she runs or like she runs. owns yeah with Martin Lee right yeah okay Martin Lee's a very charitable guy yeah it's a shame that he ended up being a villain I don't even what was his motive just revenge on Osborne it was a pretty basic revenge plot yeah yeah it's like show the world how terrible of a person Osborne is I think that probably was his end game because he he was working with uh, Octavius um, behind the scenes, like to orchestrate. Like he was the he was the scapegoat for Octavius. He was the one committing the crimes without Doc Ock actually being in the public eye. I while still like working for him. Was Doc Ock like operating as the head before he kind of like before the the arm stuff like kind of corrupted him? It had to be because um, we know that like he had these motives before he detached the arms and they just like they made it exponentially worse. Yeah. So I think it was around the time where 
in the beginning of the game, the first time you see Octavius is when he has his failed experiment and then the city officials come in and shut down his funding. And that's when he gets angry and he kind of, that's when he snaps and decides, okay, I'm going to come after Osborne. So I think it was around that time was when he started contacting Lee and organizing to break all the other rogues gallery out of Rikers Island. Yeah, that makes sense. Because uh, we haven't even gotten to Octavia. Let's do that. Let's jump right in. <laughs> I just kind of like how that he just kind of starts out as a good guy, though. It's kind of like Spider-Man too, right? Toby? Uh, yeah. He worked for, or like he was like an intern for Octavius. Right? Um, I don't remember his association, but he definitely admired him. But they always start off Octavius with, yeah, he's just a good guy. He just kind of, he just kind of loses it. He just starts like throwing people off buildings, you know. <laughs> he, he gets these giant arms, and it, it's kind of all goes downhill from there. <laughs> I haven't seen Spider-Man two in a long time. Is uh, was he losing function of his motor capabilities during that movie too? I don't know. Because I assume that's usually his main motive for getting the arms in the first place. I assume. It's been like about a year since I've seen Spider-Man 2, so I don't remember every detail exactly, but I just remember that um, the way he like kind of finally loses it is the same, where it's kind of like stuck in his head and he can't take it out and things just kind of go downhill. I really do like Octavius's slow descent into madness because it's it, it felt very organic. It yeah. wasn't just like, oh, man... I really do hate Osborne. Well, time to murder. It was more like, you know, okay, I've put up with Osborne's crap for years, and this is the final straw, and I have nothing else to lose. I guess you could say the same about Lee as well, because he's been dealing with the that power he has for 20 years, 30 years, however old he is. Can, can he control it? Like, what's the, what makes it such a uh, such a curse on him? He just randomly explode with negative energy sometimes, or... I think that's what it's supposed to, like, allude to. That it's, like, painful for him. Yeah. And that he needs to, like, let it out. Yeah. Huh? That would make sense. That, that would give uh, Octavius and Lee, like, their own, like, a, an actual reason to work together instead of, like, I'm just going to pay you a, like, truckload of money. Just a convenient person to break out of jail. Yeah. I love how we didn't even... We, like, mentioned Shocker in one line. Who the heck's Shocker? Actually, hold <laughs> on. I like... I actually really like Shocker's fight. I think it's the best fight in the game. I got or a next little annoying initially. But, like, as soon as I figured out what exactly I was supposed to do, it, it was it, it was fun. But Shocker is just there. <laughs> Isn't he always? And, and then he's not. <laughs> you hope he literally leaves the story after you beat him. Like he he doesn't even you don't even like see him exit Rikers Island. Yeah, he's in he's in Rikers Island with Electro. <laughs> you, think two, <laughs> you think the two people based on electricity would be in the, would team up together? <laughs> They're like, wait a second, we have rights to a villain that has way more interesting abilities than Shocker. He's just a better Shocker. Yeah, that's it. They also didn't break Kingpin out. I, was for Kingpin and Rikers? Yes. Huh. He he was in Rikers. 
They just kind of left him there, too. That seems like a very interesting loose end they would leave out. Yeah, because during that, during the breakout, I was like, oh no, it's going to be Doc Ock, Martin Lee, uh, Kingpin, and who are the other three going to be? And I saw Electro, and I initially thought, oh, shocker. But no, it was Electro, not shocker. And then it's like Rhino, Scorpion, and Vulture. And I'm like, where, where's Kingpin? <laughs> Maybe he died? <laughs> like the building just collapsed on him or something. I don't know. Or like, I don't know, they killed him? I'm pretty sure we would have seen that, though. You never hear of Kingpin after that. Because there are like a few times when you actually get to talk to him. Through like a oh, phone yeah. call? FaceTime him. Yeah, but you never hear from him after the prison break. Are you sure they didn't transport him to another facility? Because like there was a whole thing about him being concerned about his communications being cut off. That's why he wanted to leave Rikers or something like that. Maybe. That never crossed my mind. That Kingpin wasn't there? Yeah, because I was caught up on the whole Mr. Negative and uh, Doc Ock thing. And then the other four people... <laughs> The other four people that don't actually matter that much, surprisingly. Like, they're they're just literally just hired hands. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, you're convenient. Come with us. It made for a cool shot in the uh, original trailers, um, which is one of the reasons I didn't really, I wasn't really surprised by them because, like, in the trailer, in the original trailers, they had a bunch of shots of all four of those villains fighting Peter. I actually haven't seen the trailer for it. I just kind of went into this completely blind knowing it was a good game. Wow. You, you managed to to literally miss everything about the game in the span of like two years? Yeah. All I heard was that it was good. And <laughs> that's pretty much it. Well, you heard right. It was pretty good. <laughs> you want to know what part we just completely glossed over? Uh, MJ. And, and Miles. Miles. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's, Miles. Let's, let's go ahead and talk about it. They're very important. Very important. You can't, <laughs> you can't make a Spider-Man story without you know, his allies. You can't, can't just be Peter versus the world. Um, it's no, supporting characters it's no important. Spider-Man story without an MJ. I would actually go as far to say MJ is actually the second lead in the, in the game. Yes. Easily. She's the person that grounds Peter and reminds him, Hey, you're a human being, you know, take a break. <laughs> yeah. Take a break. And you know, as the player, you don't want to take a break because you're freaking Spider-Man, but yeah, if once you see things from Peter's point of view, like he gets evicted, he's crashing on May's place. Um, it makes you think like, yeah, this kind of thing would have a really bit of big like effect on someone's lifestyle. So what she was doing, she's a reporter, right? Yeah. And she's like, was she investigating the demons specifically or just like? Yes. Okay. He was looking into the demon case and trying to, you know, piece together clues and figure out who was leading them. Or, like, trying to find some lead to that. Does she know Martin Lee specifically? I don't think so. I feel like she would stop by the homeless shelter just to see May. But a weird thing in this story is that MJ and Peter are separated. They're not together until, like, the very end of DLC 3. They were a couple and they broke up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they got back together uh, at the end of the main story. Was it main story? I'm pretty sure it was like, oh no, it was DLC 1. DLC 1, she was upset with him because he was because working Because of the Black, Black Cat, Cat stuff. I didn't know if it was end of base game or end of DLC 3 where they actually made up. 
at the end of the base game, if I recall correctly, their words were not specifically, but Peter was like basically telling her he wanted to get back together and he's ready to balance his life because he told her that he got a regular job again. And so it kind of sent the message to her like, yeah, okay, he's he's not going to be 100% dedicated to Spider-Man. He's going to give me a chance again. Because I, I feel like that was Peter's arc was uh, trying to find that balance between Spider-Man and Peter. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say not Spider-Man, but yeah, Peter. You play. You actually get to play as MJ in a couple sections, um, which we already talked about in the previous episode. But she, Peter, and Miles are the three playable characters in the game, and only one of them's a Spider-Man. For now. For now, yeah, yeah. Miles gets his setup in this game, like throughout the. I wasn't expecting this. I actually wasn't expecting Miles to be a part of the story at all because in the trailers they showed one shot of him holding his phone recording Spider-Man, and that was it. I had no idea he was going to get bit in this game by the spider. Wasn't it at the homeless shelter? Yeah. If he wasn't there, Aunt May could have become the next Spider-Woman. Or an, any guy. Any, yeah, any <laughs> homeless dude. I really liked Miles in this game. I remember you saying something about Miles, and I thought, oh, he's probably just going to be a side quest. Like, he's not going to be a part of, like, a huge part of the game. But, oh my god, he was a huge part of the game. Yeah, he was, he was actually... He was, like, um... He was, like, Peter's Oracle. Like, from Batman. Or, like, his Alfred, where he's, like, kind of taking care of, like, the behind the the computer stuff while yeah. Peter's out on the field. I thought that was cool. and And his characterization is actually really well done for a character that's not even like a major part of the story mm -hmm. he he still like like had a whole arc and stuff this was my first introduction to like an actual proper introduction to miles character because this game came out before spider-verse oh did you play this before spider-verse came out yeah this is actually the the piece of spider-man media that made me like miles and then i got to go see his movie and then you just liked him even more. <laughs> yeah, I just liked him even more, yeah. Because I, I wasn't really familiar with his comics at all. And so I was going in there as a fresh Miles viewer. Yeah, so was I. Because I, I like, knew that there were other spider people. I knew, like, Gwen and Peter, but I knew the costume of Miles' Spider-Man, but I didn't know it was Miles Morales. And I didn't really know anything about him until Spider-Verse. Yeah, he, he's been getting a lot more uh, recognition. Let's hope he shows up in MCU. That would be cool. I mean, hey, they put in uh, Donald Glover as his uncle, as Uncle Aaron. So yeah, Uncle Aaron. It's only a matter of time. Uncle Aaron is already there. What was I even going to say? I forgot what I was going to say about Miles. Uh, his dad's dead? Oh, yeah. So Miles' dad <laughs> dies just in an explosion caused by Martin Lee, which yeah. gives Miles a horse in this race. Because uh, he wants to see the demons get taken down just mm -hmm. as much as Peter does. They do a very good job of connecting him to the other side characters. Like, initially he wants nothing to do with, like, any of the characters or Peter or, or May. And, but it's through the homeless shelter is, like, he learns how he can, like, help others. And he, like, grows closer to the main cast. So it's believable for him to, like, have a part in the main climax. Mm-hmm. Okay. End of the story. Let's Let's go into it. Uh, Osborne is developing a very deadly virus, and 
Uh, Doc Ock steals it and unleashes it upon New York City. They also try to kill uh, Osborn, and Osborn hires Silver Sable to pretty much be his personalized army. Man, Silver Sable annoyed the heck out of me during the main story. Yeah. It, like, she's just there to just trash talk you and punch you, and you don't even get to, like, have a proper boss fight until the DLC. Which is cut short. Yeah, it's cut short, too. Because I was like, come on, you, is she supposed to be a protagonist? Is she an antagonist? Am I supposed to like her? Am I supposed to hate her? I don't understand what this character is supposed to do. Sable's just kind of like an obstacle because you're not on bad terms with Osborne. Yeah. You, you're you actually trying to help Osborne and stop everyone else that's trying to hurt Osborne. Yeah, Osborne actually was a very passive part in the story. I was expecting some Green Goblin thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like The Green Goblin is like what everyone anticipates. And it's Spider-Man's like top villain, so it's like... Uh, I was surprised they left him out of the story, at least for now. Yeah, for now, because in, in, they they might go to it in the sequel. Oh, definitely. It's probably going to be that in Venom. Yeah. Oh God, it's going to be Spider-Man Three. <laughs> that's cra- that's crazy. The Harry's going to be because at the end they show like at the end of DLC Three. No, this is the main story. They showed uh Harry's oh, actually not. Oh yeah, it was main story. Yeah, I think it was the after credit scene. Yes. Because, like, this entire time, they're like, oh, oh, we wish Henry was around, but he's off in Europe getting his special disease treated. And you're like, oh, what? Okay, that that's a little weird. And then at the end credits, they just kind of show, like, oh, yeah, this special chamber that you saw in Osborne's secret lab while you were playing as MJ was actually holding Henry with a symbiote. Norman was trying to heal his son with a symbiote. I yeah, it's it's like and it's like you were there, and it, honestly, the clues are there if you pay attention to the the stuff they put in the uh, the area. That's also where the uh, spider came from. That yeah. bit Miles because because MJ like opens up the chamber right, and it like yeah, crawls and on it her jacket, crawls into her bag. She drops her bag, and the spider's just like, ah, let me crawl out and bite this dude. <laughs> Free rent. <laughs> I know Miles in the game. I knew like um when they introduced Miles, he was gonna be like he's gonna get his powers at some point. I knew that ball was gonna drop. I actually thought when it crawled into MJ's bag that it was gonna bite MJ first. Ooh. That'd be interesting. We haven't seen a spider bite more than one person. Yeah, we haven't. And I, I thought maybe they're gonna try and double dip. I was getting kind of excited because they actually do have a storyline in the comics where uh, MJ doesn't get bit. She gains her powers through Peter, but uh, she actually does get spider powers and they have like a daughter together or whatever. Um, and she like fights crime with Peter. And I thought they were going to like allude to that. You want to know what would have been funny though? What? If during that scene where uh, Miles got bit, there was just some random girl that showed up and said, hi, I'm Gwen. I'm here to help. And then the ball also bites her. I it's so on the nose. <laughs> also, I think that Gwen is dead in this story. Oh. Uh, <laughs> wait, did you not know that? I didn't see anything referring to a Gwen. But uh, I'm pretty sure because this one is supposedly taking a lot of cues from the main line, uh, timeline, that Gwen is supposedly dead. 
Like the only other relationship they talk about with Peter is Black Cat. I feel like if if there was a Gwen in the Spider-Man's life, they would have been talked about. Yeah, I guess that's possible because they actually they didn't introduce Goblin yet. And that's usually like the first one of the first villains Peter encounters. And Doc Ock as well, so you might be right. Despite like using a lot of stuff and having like an already established timeline for eight years, they actually leave a lot of stuff open to still explore. It's really cool. I wonder who the first villain would have been. Because it wasn't Green Goblin. Oh, my money's on Vulture. No, yeah, that's true. Just like MCU. Yeah, I like the MCU. I'm, I'm pretty sure they would have taken that cue. Finally, let's cover the ending before we close this off. Aunt May dies. Yes, she dies due to the virus that Doc Ock dropped. She's playing doctor to help as many people as she can, just like Aunt May would. Yeah. And, you know, due to everything being crappy, she just kind of catches it and dies. The Death's... What was it called? It was called Death's Blossom or something? Oh, wait, that's Reaper's thing. Um, uh, <laughs> that's Reaper's... Wait, uh, it, was, it was called Devil's Devil, Breath. Devil's uh, Breath, yeah. Spider-Man ends up getting the cure that... Because, like, Otto was like... Oh, I have the cure, Spider-Man, but you can't have it until Osborne dies or is exposed or whatever. But Peter obviously stops that and gets the, the Devil's Breath cure. One of the scientists develop it, and they were, like, protecting it. Yeah, and then Otto gets his hands on it. Peter has to fight for it. That that boss fight, the dialogue is so good in that boss fight. Yeah. I love it so much. The whole part where... uh. Otto reveals that he knew Peter was Spider-Man the whole time. Which you kind of just kind of had to think like, yeah, Peter can couldn't use the, yeah, I know. I know Spider-Man and I make his suits for him. Excuse. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't believe a, he thought that flew by. That was such <laughs> a weak excuse. <laughs> I can't believe. And it freaking his boss is a super genius. How would he not figure this out? How would he not put two and two together? Yeah. The thing, the, the thing that, that messes me up is that even though Otto was like had his whole revenge plot, plot going on and was having his mind messed up by the neural network, he still like improved Peter's suit for him to make sure that Peter stayed safe on the streets. Yeah. That messes me up. It's like, dang, why'd you have to be evil, Otto? Well, that's like before Otto like really snapped, though. Was it, though? Yeah. Because he had already been fired by the, uh, the city commission at that it point. Was- at that part, he was just kind of like, wow, I really, like, after my history with him, I just kind of hate him more now. Oh, wait, my assistant is Spider-Man. <laughs> Let me go eat some Chinese food now. Let me help this man out. <laughs> like, at that part, he wasn't, like, evil, evil. And Peter's reaction to the whole, like, you knew thing was so powerful. Because he, he, at this point, he was like... Man, I know Osborne's about to drop that guy off like a 20-story building, but at least he wouldn't try to kill me if he knew it was me. And he finds out that wasn't true, and that's when Peter's like, all right, you're going down. And then he like throws him into some random room in Oscorp and just kind of leaves him there, when obviously Otto is not doing so hot. Yeah, no, he's like, he broke the arms and he can't move anymore. He's like completely paralyzed, and... it's kind of like suggesting that he like is kind of losing his life a little bit. Like he's obviously going to be fully paralyzed. 
Yeah. But just the amount of pain he's in also. Just just like dialogue, it's just kind of like you wouldn't just leave me here to would you and he just kind of walks off. And that was a really hard decision for Peter too. Yeah. Cuz he doesn't he doesn't let his the villains just die. No. He's like Batman. <laughs> yeah, but he also knows that uh he has to he can't look back at uh Otto the same way. Mm-hmm. Like he has he he can't be soft anymore. Every every Spider-Man story has to involve Peter making a hard decision that ultimately hurts him but helps everyone else like that's the essence of like a a good spider-man story in my opinion and so him like having to suck it up and walk away from his mentor who's like literally dying right there so he can like save other people yeah that's what made the story for me so once he gets the cure he cures everyone except for aunt may because she's dying too quickly yeah then comes in the the other you know, important decision he has to make, which is right after losing his mentor figure, he also loses his his aunt too, because he has to make the decision, use the cure to heal Aunt May now, or let her die and be able to heal thousands and thousands. And that's a huge punch to the gut. Yeah. Isn't that actually a decision you can make in the game? No. Oh. No, it's just a cutscene. I mean, because if he heals Aunt May, all those people die. Yeah, but it'd be like the untrue ending. That's an interesting concept, but they didn't do it for this one. He he makes the decision to save all those people, um, and he also finds out that Aunt May knew he was Spider Man. Yeah, it's kind of is... like at this point, who didn't know <laughs> Peter was Spider Man? <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> yeah, who, honestly, everyone knows. I guess Harry's the only one that doesn't know. He's stuck in a tank. Well, yeah, Harry's not there. <laughs> also, all the DLC, it's just Hammerhead. Yeah, DLC is just Hammerhead. Yuri snaps, kills Hammerhead. He comes back to life, becomes a cyborg. You team up with Sable and literally evaporate him. I really hope they drop the crime boss angle in the next game and make it a more focused thing, about not about like turf wars and stuff, because they already did that. Mm-hmm. I know Miles Morales is going to have its own thing going on, probably with the Prowler or something, but... It's actually with Tinker. Tinker? Okay. That's, with like, Tinker. the big one, I think. But in the next one, I'm really hoping to see Venom and Green Goblin. That's going to be the main attraction. Definitely going to be those two. Yeah, we basically covered all the important stuff about the story. There's still a lot of nuanced stuff in there that we couldn't cover, but... All in all, I think the story was fantastic. Um, probably one of the best Spider-Man stories I've experienced in a, a long time. Yeah, if if the third um, Tom Holland movie ended up being like the story for this game, I would be st- very happy with it. But we already know that's not going to be the case, but, you know, you can hope that there's at least the Sinister Six. Well, I guess that wraps it up for our Spider-Man and PlayStation 4 review. We covered the gameplay in the previous episode, if you want to uh, go ahead and listen to that. The Cube Command podcast is produced by Savoia Studios and is a member of the Savoia Media Network. To find all of our shows produced by Savoia Studios, just go to SavoyaMedia.com. And the Cube Command podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. To find the Cube Command podcast and other great tech shows, just go to TechPodcasts.com.
And be sure to follow us on social media under the name Cube Command on Instagram and Twitter to catch episode updates, podcast episode updates, and clips from the podcast and YouTube show that we have fun sharing. And be sure to catch our YouTube channel, Cube Command, to watch us play games. We actually just posted a few Left 4 Dead 2 videos that we had a lot of fun recording, and we hope you enjoy watching them. Well, that is it for our Spider-Man review. I want to thank Nathan for joining me on this episode. This has been the Cube Command Podcast. My name is Tom Savoya. I want to thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next time. Nick, have you ever heard of Blueberry? Blueberry, what's that? Well, it's only one of the most respected media hosting sites out there with a customizable audio player, media validation, and unlimited downloads. Wow, does it have free technical support? Yes. Is it optimized to work with WordPress for easy blog posts? Yes. Does it require third-party sites to access? No. Is it spelled with a B and an L and a U and a B-R-R-Y? Yes. With affordable hosting packages and detailed statistics, Blueberry must be the best podcast hosting service for me. Yeah, well, wait a second. How'd you know that? I, I didn't say that. I don't know. What are you, what are you talking about? Use our promo code CubeCommand to get your first month of hosting free.